Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boy Johnny Bananas, and I'm going to be covering a brand new season of The Challenge USA on CBS that, of course, I will be completely dominating on my podcast, Death Taxes and Bananas, on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. Head over to that feed and follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Food News. I'm Juliette Littman. And I'm David Jacoby. Let's put 30 minutes on the clock. Jacoby, we're back minutes. from vacation. If you had a great summer and you want to tell us about it, call us at 646 Stu 138. S T E W 138. 646 Stu 138. All right, let's get into our stories. First up. Sweet Greens is launching a potato chip with a brand I've never heard of called Siete. And it is a hint of of poblano green goddess ranch potato chip made with avocado oil, only available at Sweet Greens. Jacoby, is this a product that anyone on earth needs? A couple of things. Number one, um, you did to Sweet Green what many people do to nightclubs in New York City, where you add an S to it. I believe it's called Sweet Green. <laughs> That's correct. Not Sweet Greens. That's correct. There's no apostrophe S on it. But remember, we used to do that to nightclubs. You go into exits tonight. You go into tunnels tonight. It's like no, those are, those are singular nouns. However, back to this. This is what stuck out to me about this. Wait, did you answer? Because you didn't answer green, my question. I asked you a question. Is this a product I, that anyone needs? No, of course not. No, and if also if I'm going to Sweet Greens, as you would call it, I'm trying to be healthy. I don't want potato chips. Like, I'm, if I'm going there, it means I'm having a lunch that I, that I don't want to have. So don't put potato chips there. You know what I mean? Like, no, thank you. I'm eating a salad for a reason because I'm trying to be healthy. Don't put a potato chip there. It's like when they have cookies at the end. You go buy a salad and they've got a cookie by the register. It's like, what, what are we even doing here? What is the point? Here's my question for you, which really stuck out to me about this. Green goddess dressing has really been having a moment after, in the last two or three years. And my question is, is when did this come onto the scene? Who is the originator of a green goddess dressing? And green goddess dressing varies a lot to me. It's basically green has got vegetables in it, but there's, it's not consistent I think in the, my lifetime experience. The green goddess of it is I think there's often um, cucumber in it. Like that's the green. Sometimes I think there's also avocado. Uh, I think this started in California and it's it's grown. And the green goddess, it I think, is feels like, like a California. Yeah, product. I'm nearly positive that that's where it started. And it's it's grown out from there. I don't really like it. It usually is like a little bit too herbaceous for me. Um, and mm. if I'm getting ranch, I just want ranch. Don't make me have green goddess. 
It's a great point. It's a great point. It's in ranch itself is great. Green goddess ranch is a little bit of an oxymoron. You know what I mean? It's like ranch. This is my cheat dressing. Green goddess. This is my, I'm really trying to be healthy dressing. Like I, you can't have both sides of that spectrum live in the same dressing. Um, just so you know, the green goddess dressing began in San Francisco at the palace hotel. And the original green goddess dressing had anchovies, scallions, parsley, tarragon, chives, mayonnaise, and vinegar. Very herbaceous. That sounds pretty good. I like anchovies a lot more than your average bear. Well, they're really and I, that sounds they're good at good. salad. It's like you know a, a classic Caesar salad. Yes, has anchovies. A classic Caesar. They asked me if I would like anchovies. I look right at them and I say yes, please. Yeah, I would love that. I just like to look and at they them. kind of look it back at me like good call. Anchovies are. They give you a little bit of respect when you don't deny the anchovies. They do. Anchovies are also having a moment. Tinned fish in general are very trendy. Um, in general, I do not think this is a good name for a product. It's far too long. Like, this is just really long. Just call it Green Goddess Chips, point. period. Green Goddess green goddess Chips. Yeah, let's, sign me up. Let's move on. And also, because it's cooked in avocado oil, doesn't make it healthy. No, you know, it's of like, course. Oh, they're potato chips, but they're cooked in avocado oil. Those are good trans fats. It's like, okay, avocado yeah, oil. I see fried. you. You're still oil. Still fried chip. Yeah, yeah. You're not fooling me. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to a trend story from the New York Times. One may call this booze news. The trend story is that men are are unlikely to order a cocktail at a bar because of the glass that it'll come in. And that men, by and large, not every single man, but the trend per many marketing executives and also um, bar professionals is that they do not like a feminine glass and so they do not order cocktails. That is the thesis of the story. And Jacoby, I know that you like to order a beverage at a bar. And yes, I was, I'm also a man. And you are also a man. So I'm delighted to have an expert here on the podcast to interview about this story. Well, you've come to the right place because <laughs> when I read this story, notice that a lot of the subjects that they're discussing this with that are in bars are in between the ages of about 24 and 30, mm -hmm. right? And I have gone on a journey since my early 20s into my mid-40s in which I've become a lot less insecure about my masculinity and how I appear to others. And I would say that this would be true to me were I in my mid-20s. I remember really? I started ordering martinis on the rocks. I started ordering martinis on the rocks because they came in a rocks glass. Oh, and, wow. Um, old fashions on the rocks because I like the glass better. And there, I used to be insecure about umbrellas or like a tiki bar or having garnishes. And I used to like think I was tough and I was masculine. As you get older, you realize there are actually tough and masculine people in the world. And I'm not one of them. <laughs> well, you and drink I actually do like garnishes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is not determined. It's like, I think my morals and ethics and sort of like honor is makes me more tough than like the, the, the glass that my drink comes in. But I used to be self-conscious about this. And over time, I overcame that. And I think that this will be true for people. Like a lot of things, if you're trying to be tough, you're compensating for something. You know, it's like the, it's like the guy with the giant truck with the giant wheels. Just like, look at me driving down the street. I'm, I'm the toughest, biggest, baddest dude on the block. And I used to consider this when ordering drinks. And now I'm like, give me all the umbrellas and all the garnishes and make it as fun as possible. I'm paying $18 for this thing. I might as well have a party with it. And... Truth be told, they mentioned this in the article, there are reasons that glasses are shaped certain ways yeah, to aerate the drinks. There yeah. are certain garnishes and flowers and herbs that will make the drink taste better. And like the smell while you drink it of the garnish going in your mouth, like 
people do take this into account in your drink experience and you don't want to miss that because you're afraid of not looking cool. So there's twofold. Number one, function. <laughs> the drink is, this is an created that monologue. way for that reason. I chose you to say. And this number two, unbelievable. you are just insecure. If you are so tied up in how you appear in your own masculinity that you don't want a drink in a certain glass, then you really need to have a hardcore conversation with yourself about changing, not the bartender about changing the drink. And see. Oh, my God. You just said so much. I mean, should we just move on? Yes. All right. Next story. France is going to destroy... 80 million gallons of wine. And they are spending about $200 million on this. <laughs> yes. So just please. My, my simple question for you, Juliet. I read this like hard. Make this make sense. It's very similar to farm subsidies here in the United States. It's similar to when the government pays a farmer to not use their land or to not, you know, to like let it lay fallow for a couple of years. The issue here is they've decided to do this, these farm subsidies, after they've already grown the grapes and made the wine. So it's basically like the government is buying this wine and they've decided to destroy it instead of having people drink it. And the issue is that the, oh, there's such an overproduction of wine in France now that there's not enough people to drink it. And so the government is getting involved. And their solution is just to dump it. And it's crazy. Okay. That part I understand. But this is just one counterpoint that I need a little more details on. Okay. Doesn't wine get better with age? So in theory, isn't this not a dead asset? Couldn't you just, like, instead of spending, I don't know, $200 million on destroying it, you could spend $4 million on storing it and then just reintroducing it back into the economy when it's advantageous for a little spike in, in um, supply in the wine market. I think that wine does get better with age, but the cost of storing it and getting to that point, it they they the farmers and the winemakers, vintners can't take on. And also apparently this is like a historic, this is not a historic problem. It's a historical problem. It's been happening since the 19th century. And I guess France does this somewhat regularly. Okay. So they just need to work on their overall production of wine. One thing I also liked is they're like, guys, you have to tear up your, your grapevines. I know that these have been there for generations and they're very important <laughs> to you, but we're going to pay you to turn those into olive trees. And now you can be an olive person. I was like, okay, quick pivot. I like, I like that pivot. Also, I think olive oil is cheaper. Yeah, me too. And also, there's no, there's no alcoholism involved. It's great. It's a good idea. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I also found it very interesting that the demand for wine has dramatically reduced since 2005. Yeah. Like, it's reduced 22%, which is a lot. Huge. It's a high percentage for, like, 18 years. In 18 years, basically one-fourth of demand for wine has gone down, and I think that's a tribute to people drinking less and people listening to food news and me saying that I don't like wine and <laughs> you know the influence that comes with that. Glad you found a way to, to bring it back to you. You're welcome. Um, also we'll say in Germany it went down 22% and 34% in Portugal. That's a lot. I like Portuguese wine but, too. But only only seven in Italy. They're like yeah. we're still drinking wine. They're I don't still... care what you guys are doing. I don't care what the neighbors are doing but we're still drinking wine. <laughs> still going hard. <laughs> um, yes. Alright. Let's move on. Um... Jacoby, did you ever feel like you needed to be dining in midair? Like, is it ever a thought that you had? On a plane, yes. Many times. Oh, on a plane. Interesting. Okay. Well, yes, if you... Yes, this is actually oftentimes on a plane. I feel that way. Every plane ride, pretty much. <laughs> you, I agree with you. When I'm on a plane, I'm like, this sucks. I deserve to eat crap. Um, I need a snack. <laughs> I need to give me a muffin. Suck. How do you make them better? Snacks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anything. <laughs> um, well, if you're in, uh, I believe, minutes. Argentina or was it Brazil? Excuse me, I believe it was Brazil. You can eat 
at a picnic table that is suspended 295 feet in the air as if you were like on the challenge or something. But instead of having to do anything, you're just sitting at the table eating. Okay. When you read the headline, right? Headline, daredevil couple dines at table hanging over 295 feet in air above rapid waterfall. Okay. That actually sounds cool. It sounds like a luxury experience, like a SpaceX kind of thing. Like it costs you $50,000. It's like going in a submarine to go see the Titanic. It's a high level experience and you're in a closed and dangerous environment. It feels like it's going to be cool looking, at least visually stunning. Like a, like a, yes, you made a great point. It it feels like it's going to be a bachelor date, but it ends up being a challenge challenge. (laughs) It's like, this is, this is, when she says picnic table, she's not kidding. It's a shitty picnic table made of wood and metal. (laughs) <laughs> and like it, and they're suspended there, and there's no luxury at all. And you can tell they're not even having a good time from the looks on their faces. It's it's it's. There's a way that this could be really luxurious and excellent and and memorable, but the way that they've executed this makes it seem terrifying. Well, the way that they, that it could be nice is if you're like cliffside and you're like in a house that overlooks the waterfall instead mm. of being suspended above the waterfall. I don't even think <laughs> yes. this looks fun. And in fact, the guy in the picture is like very unhappy. He does not want to be there. Uh, you can follow Christian, Christiana hurt or on point like OP. Uh, and you can see their meal, but it just looks so unpleasant. And in general, I've noticed that there there's this trend of having meals in like extreme places. Like on a recent season of Love Island, the winter season from a few months ago, one of the dates that a couple went on was having dinner in a river. So like their feet were submerged in water while they in ate the river. In the river. And I was just like, who wants that? Like okay, on a bachelor that date. That sounds kind of nice. If just my feet, if it's like ankle deep and my feet are getting a little like that sounds kind of nice. What if you're but it gets pruny after a while? Or what if it gets cold? It just doesn't really it just doesn't really work. Like maybe like you dip, you go for a walk in the stream and then you eat, but why do you need to be in the sure. water for the whole meal? <laughs> I mean Sure. Decent point. But it's just I, the, it's this, also, this is also eating. one of the things, but why? Yeah. Yeah, but just, but why? There's there's a way that this could be luxurious and memorable and amazing and worth $4,000, but there's also like, you need to pay me $4,000 to do this, which is the, this was the latter. Yeah, it just seems, this is a no for me is all I'm going to say. Well, next, this is, I'm just going to say coming up next is the best story. Easily. The grandmother? No. Oh, okay. Raccoons. Sorry, you said you were really excited about the grandmother before, so I just got confused. I am, but this one's your best story of the week. Raccoons is my best story of the week. Um, okay. Speaking of beer in Germany, where they they have they're also dialing back the, the wine. Were we speaking of beer? <laughs> well, we were speaking about booze. <laughs> yes. My bad. We were talking about wine. Uh this is a story about raccoons who are getting drunk on beer. And then breaking into people's homes and attacking the domesticated pets. Uh, it's a big problem. There's a video. So if you want to check this out, you could really get uh, some evidence. And it's pretty wild. In Berlin, people are having to pay up to 10,000 euros because <laughs> they have to clean up after these drunk raccoons. And it's not like a, it's not like a fine. It's like my home has been ruined by a drunk raccoon. And so now I must spend all this money to fix it. This is, let's go back to the very beginning when people decided that they, because raccoons are not native to Germany or even Europe, but people decided they're so cute. So they want to bring them there and keep them as pets. And I think raccoons and like koala bears, kangaroos are like things that look cute and friendly and furry, but are actually little demon monster violent balls 
And raccoons are like that. I think like they look a... like fun little friends, right? But they're not. That's an insult. They're not fun little friends. To kangaroos and koala bears. I mean, ca- raccoons oh, are... koala bears are nasty little animals. Read I, about it. I they're know. not cute and cuddly. I know, but I don't even think... But like they look cute. Raccoons don't even look cute. Raccoons are like ready to oh, snipe raccoons you. Oh, raccoons look cute? Oh, I don't think so. That's because you know about raccoons. They've got little hands and they're, <laughs> they, they stand up. They've got a little mask on. They'll bite you yeah, with their they've rabies. Got furry tails. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All of, all of that. So then, so someone wants them as pets and then they just, they just multiply all over Germany. Now there's like 200,000 of them in Germany and now they're hammered because they're drinking the beer and they like the beer. Like it's not, they're not like, Oh, I'm thirsty. Is this water or beer? I don't know. I'm just going to drink this they liquid. They like being they're drunk. They're seeking the beer, opening bottles of beer and drinking the beer in packs. And they're like, they're basically like teenagers. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like <laughs> shoplifting, drunken teenagers that in packs that don't know how to act. You don't want to make eye contact because they're dangerous. It's like having a rager happening in your home, but with raccoons. Yes. And they no, it's like your neighbors. Your it's like your neighbors go out of town and then their teenage boy <laughs> has a party and you have to do like clean up after the next day. That's basically what's happening all over Germany. Just absolutely incredible. Um, it's an amazing story. Also, a lot of like commonplace animals. That's true. Like on Cape Cod, there's a lot of turkeys and turkeys are not like they, they were brought here. They weren't they were they were lived here first Thanksgiving and they were gone. They were brought back. So they're also like now technically invasive, basically like most animals need to be under yes. better control. That's just, you know, how I feel. And about then animals. there's this. This is another weird angle to this story is there's also like a whole faction of German hunters. that are just dying to get the green light so they can go out and kill the raccoons. Yeah. Like they're, they're like, they're like lobbying for raccoon laws to be changed so they can just murder all the raccoons they can see, which I know the raccoons are a nuisance. That also doesn't seem right either. <laughs> like there's no winning here. Also, perhaps, um, have different store your beer different differently. So the raccoon can't get it. There you go. I mean, why are they able to get the beer? That's the biggest question. <laughs> yes. Is it yeah. like put out? For I have them? children. We put the beer and liquor up high so they can't reach it. <laughs> Do the same for the raccoon. Also, like get some raccoon poop beer, proof beer bottles. Also, people are hiding their trash from raccoons. I think you can hide your beer. You know? Yes. Put a top on it. I like that one there's there's one faction of people is just like we, you need to give us the green light so we can go on raccoon slaughtering missions like a purge, right? And then there's other people like, hey, guess what? Maybe protect your garbage better. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I think I'm with the latter. Like, first, let's just like put lids on our garbage, okay? And if that doesn't work, we can talk about the great raccoon purge of 2024. Um, I like that's a really good name for like a movie or a TV show, the great raccoon purge of 2024. Hold on to that, man. Um, yes. All yes, right. I will. Let's move on to the shoplifting grand in England who is basically um, a thief for hire. It's like, you need shampoo. You need a nice new bag. Um, Contact Lou, and she's got you covered. As the Daily Mail said, she steals everything from steak, lobster, champagne, even Egyptian cotton sheets. It's honestly pretty amazing. What she does is she uh, finds her clients who are in need of something, and it's exactly that. She goes and she steals. And then she makes you pay her. I don't think any of this is true. Like, none of this is true whatsoever. Okay, first of all, she's 65, and the whole angle of the story is that her clients are rich, that they live in $3 million homes, and they can't afford their kids' private schools, so they have to hire Lou to get lobster instead of paying full price for lobster. I don't think that's true. And if you look at Lou's origin story, she's like, yeah, I was nine years ago, and my husband died, so I started taking care of kids, and it just grew from there. What do you mean it just grew from there? Like, yeah, like when you were taking care of kids and then all of a sudden you became a professional thief for the rich. Like that, there's no logic path in which it just grew from there. 
And, and like, I just don't think that there's a family, there's like a mom who's, who's like, oh man, I don't have dinner ready for the kids and we don't have toilet paper and, and Egyptian cotton sheets. Instead of going to the store and, and getting those things myself or using, I don't know, Amazon and having it here the next day, I'm going to hire a 65-year-old woman to go around the city, <laughs> procure these items illegally, and then give me a discount? Like, no, no way. Just no. That's not happening in real life. Also, like, Lou is lying to you. Go to Canal Street. Find your equivalent of Canal Street and get it there instead. You know? Yeah, yes. There, there is a Canal Street in London. You can get that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe instead of filet mignon, you're, you're, doing some, you're doing some flank steaks. Yeah. It's going like, to be fine. Exactly. Just get a or store brand toothpaste. It'll be okay. Um, also, there's just nothing about this. Like, why would Lou be okay? with giving quotes to any newspaper if Lou is really doing this. Like, Lou, stay off Lou the Lou doesn't grid. exist. Keep and, a low profile, she, Lou. She mentions Grey Goose vodka as one of the main things that people are after. I'm like, Lou, these are not rich people. Those are alcoholics. If you need a discount on Grey Goose vodka, it's not because you're paying too much for your two kids to go to private school. It's because you can't afford a bottle of Grey Goose vodka. I, I think that Lou is, is, is either completely made this up or is really exaggerated to the point of just straight up lying. <laughs> I'm calling uh, BS on Lou. Lou. Lou, I know you're 65. Also, 65, they make 65 sound old. 65 is not that old. It's young. It's still like, you know, working. Yeah, like you're still very functional at 65. They make it sound like, oh, this grandma, you know, she's got like a walker and she's going into a liquor store and pocketing four bottles of Grey Goose. No, that's not happening. I don't believe any of this. Lou, you are a liar. Much younger than um, our president. So, yes, quite young. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's st- stick, to, stick to food. Next, a follow-up from last year. Remember the glizzy straw? Of course I remember the glizzy straw. So does Oscar Mayer. And they've capitalized on this by creating a real rubber straw that looks like a hot dog. Ten minutes. That you can sip through. Just put it into your beer. Put it into whatever. Pretend you're sipping through a glizzy. I don't know why one would want to do that, but it's an option. It is an option. The glizzy straw was one of those things that was like a little too good to be true. New York Nico is the person who Mm -hmm. recorded it and put it out. He's like a New York documentarian like a social media documentarian he does really good work he deserves a follow he's he profiles sort of like um interesting characters around new york and new york events and the idea that this glizzy straw was shot at that angle with the steady of a camera and without the heads and tails it kind of felt a little set up and i hope that um new york nico's being compensated because oscar meyer is trying to jump on this thing and who celebrates like a year anniversary or something anyway you know what I mean? It's like yeah. 10 years, fine. But like the one year anniversary of a guy turning a hot dog into a straw on social media, is that is this really something the marketing team needs to have multiple meetings about? They ran out of them, so it's working. It works. You can no longer get them. I guess so. They're gone. Maybe Lou can get one for you on the secondary say, market. But the, to be fair, the PR person was like, yeah, the, um, we ran out of them today. Check back tomorrow. I'm like, wait a second. You, wait a second. You're clearly like trying to draw no, up I, the hype for these things. Because if you have... 35 on Tuesday, and then you have another 35 on Wednesday. That means you had 70 on Tuesday. The website today just says, sorry, our Oscar Mayer hot dog straws supplies have officially run out. Thank you for your interest. So they're just done. Oh, wow. They're just done. They're out. Wow, I like them thanking me for my interest. Yeah, right, you're Oscar welcome. Mayer. I clicked. Um, all right. Shall we move on to today's taste test? This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. We remain in separate locations for one more week and such. We are having similar things, but are not, not exactly the same. Producer Mike went abroad and I believe he got you some, some things while away. And today we are doing like charcuterie adjacent things to eat. So Jacoby, would you like to tell us what you're having? Yes, I would. Okay. Butter Chardonnay is a type of Chardonnay from the jam cellars. It is, um, and Chardonnay has a reputation for being buttery. And I believe I'm going to taste this first. But not only that, is they have done a collaboration with Club Crackers, Club Mini Crackers. So they have Chardonnay-flavored crackers and a buttery Chardonnay. I will start with the cracker and then introduce it to the wine. Here is the cracker, wine-flavored cracker, which smells pretty good. I can't lie. I'm curious what it tastes like. Is it Does it have like the Chardonnay aftertaste? Does it taste cheesy? Wow, you're, okay. you're smiling. You said Chardonnay aftertaste at the exact moment that the Chardonnay aftertaste hit. <laughs> at the initial crunch, the initial burst of flavor was a butter cracker, like a Ritz cracker. Sorry, club. A, a club cracker flavor. But then the powder, I believe, on it brings the Chardonnay feel. And it has that distinct, I just had a sip of wine aftertaste. Now I'll try wow. the wine itself. Oh, interesting. Tastes like Chardonnay. The cracker, the cracker resembles the Chardonnay in a way that... Artificial flavors don't resemble themselves, as we discussed it. But um, they hit the Chardonnay flavor well with the cracker, and it is much better than you think it is. Can you have another chip? Yeah, or another cracker. I'm curious how it goes after yeah. having the original. It calms. The Chardonnay flavor was in my mouth, the aftertaste, and it calmed that down. It subsided that a little bit, but left me with like 20% of it. It's nice. Nice combination. Okay. That sounds good. Save it for me so I can try it next week. So I was going to try this fig spread that I've been meaning to try for a while, and like you probably see it around all the Mike, time. Mike just chugged the rest of the Chardonnay bottle, so there'll be no wine left. That's fine. You know I don't really like drinking anymore. Um, I was going to have fig spread. However, I just opened it, and there's mold inside of it, so I will not be having fig spread. Oh! <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Twist on food news. No taste <laughs> test for me. <laughs> just give it a shot, Julia. Live a little. No? I don't know. It was pretty moldy. It just looked gross. It's supposed to be best before January 2024. I mean, like, I'm several months out from that. Wait a second. Wait, you just cracked it open. Yes. And it's best by January 2024, and it's got mold in it. That's correct. Wow. Sheesh. Sure is mold? Yeah, positive. It's gross. All right. All right let's well, move let's on. Let's more time for personal food news and, and, and listener food news. We don't have that much time, so we got to keep going. Here's my personal food news. Let's go. 
there's a sandwich place that I've been going to every summer of my whole life. It's called The Box Lunch. It makes roll witches. You may know that as a wrap, but these are made on a rolled pita. It's not a wrap. It's a rolled up pita. It's very good. Hold the on. One- Sorry to interrupt. But a pita has like a pocket. They, this is like so a... They when open they roll the pita, both... So they open it up. So you, you only get one layer of pita. You're not double layer of pita no. on the roll. No, they open it up and it's Copy. like giant. Right. That's, a, that's an important distinction. That makes sense. Copy. Continue. Sorry. My favorite sandwich is called the Porky's Nightmare. It's basically a ham and cheese, but they have a they have a special sauce here. It's called Durky. Have you ever had Durky? No. Have you um, heard of it? I'm just guessing that it's like duck and turkey. <laughs> um, I think it's I like mustard and mayo together. Basically, it's like a it's a specific Ooh. product. It's really good. Like Durky is oh, a, it's a this sp- sounds good. It is. It's a phenomenal sa- uh, uh, spread. Like it's just an What's excellent. What's it? Educate it's us. An excellent. Uh, condiment i mean i don't even know like if you read the ingredients it's soybean oil water vinegar sugar mustard salt eggs you know it's basically mustard and eggs like mustard and and, uh, mayo together mustard and mayonnaise sure it's really good i love turkey it's a huge part of why i go to the box lunch because they always put it on this one sandwich wow they've been out of turkey all summer because of the manufacturer what i know what it's like i was just about to go online and buy myself some turkey I know it's like a weird and it, honestly, it's like a weird summer because this is like the first summer I can remember where I haven't had any turkey and I really miss it. And the box lunch does, well, too, because they have to okay. tell people every single day we're out of turkey. Feel bad for them. We're out of turkey. And then they're not going to leave because the turkey's not like that crucial to their experience. But they're just going to be a little bit disappointed. I changed my well, order. First of all, I change. I, I just to be clear when because they haven't had turkey. I've been going with a sandwich that doesn't usually come with turkey because I'm like, well, I just can't like I can't move forward without it. Why even bother? I totally understand because every bite you have of that sandwich, you'll be thinking about the turkey that is absent. First of all, I want to say um, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Juliet. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I know how important these summer traditions are to you. And yes. while it might seem just like a, a little complaint to the audience, I know that this hits home for you and I'm here for you if you ever want to discuss it in depth. Thank you uh, so much. Mind. It's now your number two. Yes. We are taste testing turkey on this program. Oh, okay. There's going Great. to maybe their maybe their turkey plug maybe their turkey plug is dried up. But we've got producer Mike, and when he gets over this hangover from the Chardonnay <laughs> bottle he just chugged, we are he's going to get on the case, and we're going to have turkey in studio next week. Oh my we're god! We're having a turkey and ham sandwich, wow. and it's going to be fantastic, and I cannot wait. It's a warm turkey sandwich. sounds great to me. It's good. We've all um, I, we we know how you like your sandwiches. No, he'll make mi- the sandwiches four hours before. It's microwave, and he'll put it in a purse. Oh, it's microwaved. Great, yes. great. Sounds even better. <laughs> um, I have a similar story, um, ham related. Do you remember when we discussed the difference between Taylor ham and pork roll? Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, of course. I was in New Jersey, and I was offered a breakfast option that was Taylor ham, eggs cheese on a brioche bun so i figured if i'm in new jersey central jersey home of the taylor ham i might as well try it and what i was expecting was basically ham egg and cheese and what i received was different than that the variance from the ham was very very welcome and surprising it truly did have some spice Mm. it had a little bit of a canadian ham thickness to it it wasn't like a thin slice true ham. Didn't have a pink color. It sort of had that like um, Canadian bacon um, in a pan with a little oil for a while. Consistency and color, and it was fantastic. Um, it a lot of local delicacies disappoint me when I get them. This one did not, and I will also not be disappointed by our listener food news, which I love every single week. All right, let's hear it. Great transition. 
Hi, Juliet and Jacoby. Uh, I had to call you because my boyfriend just got Westville delivered by Leandro. And <gasps> I live in New York City, and it just, I believe that it has to be the Leandro of the Food News podcast. So I immediately had to call you guys, and he's looking at me he, like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Bye. Holy shit. This is incredible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I absolutely love this. I, Thank you so much for calling and telling us. I, I'm glad to know Leandro is uh, still doing his thing. I'd love to know about the interaction. Uh, and I'd love to know the Westville order. But wow, this is truly exciting. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely <laughs> shocked. I have so many follow-up questions. I'm just going to say, if you call 646-STU-138, we, have, we need more answers. What did Leandro look like? Uh, what is your order? What what was what did, was discussed between the two of you? Seconds. Have you ordered from Westville again and gotten Leandro? Did he look healthy? Is he okay? <laughs> How well did you tip? Did you change your tip when you realized he was Leandro? Did you mention food news when you saw it was Leandro? Leandro and did you know it was New Leandro York when Leandro superstar. was on the way? Because you can see, you can see the name of the person coming to your home. And my question is, when you did you see in advance that it was Leandro? Yeah, they had to because Westville has like a a very specific delivery platform. So it shows you in like big letters. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. I love it. Let's make Leandro famous. This is incredible. That's our mission. We will start next week. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our producer, Mike Wargon. And call 646-STU-138.